Hey, everybody. The, today's episode is super special because I'm with Chrissy. And I actually met Chrissy through the Life is Love School private discussion group. And so if you're not on the group and you want to join us, check out the show notes. I'll have the, the link to join the private discussion group. And Chrissy and I uh, met more frequently back in October of this year when I ran a self-love workshop for a month. And I got to know Chrissy. And then uh, I know that she was going through some emotional or relationship uh, situations. And I, I know that she learned a lot in the process, which is really interesting. So I wanted to bring Chrissy here to have a deeper dive in terms of what happened, what she learned from it. And so welcome, Chrissy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to, to talk to you. Yeah. So I think when you came to the self-love challenge, you were in the process of like maybe dissolving from a relationship, et cetera. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, what brought you to the workshop, maybe to the group and then what you've learned since then. So, um, so yeah, I was in the process of ending a relationship and had really just decided that I needed to, I needed to figure myself out and, you know, what was going on with me. Um, I, had been reading a lot of books by Brené Brown and who I'm a huge fan of and, um, you know, recognize that I had a lot of shame issues. I didn't really love myself. And so when this group opportunity came up, I emailed, like, I think I messaged you right away or, you know, applied right away and was super excited to, uh, to, you know, be accepted and be a part of it. Um, I had, I was always very sporadic at journaling and that was definitely something that I wanted to, to create a habit of. Um, I was also not great at identifying my emotions, like other than like, I'm mad, I'm sad, like, you know, like I can relate I can to that like, mad or yeah. sad or angry, right? Just right. Right. Like emotions. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I, I knew that I needed some help with that. Um, and so, you know, I've been journaling since the, since the group and, or during the group and then since, and, you know, have really kind of gotten down to kind of the core reasons why, you know, I made some of the decisions that I made and got into the relationships that I did. Um, I was married for 10 years to who someone I later learned was a covert narcissist. Uh, unfortunately, I learned that during the divorce. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The, the, during the divorce, the worst comes out. I remember a buddy of mine said, you know, don't be so surprised that your ex is behaving the way that he does because when you squeeze a lemon, lemon juice comes out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I, you know, when I first asked for a divorce or when, you know, it really got serious um, about going to divorce proceedings, I had these, um, you know, I had these really rose colored visions of us co-parenting and really having an amicable divorce because of who, who I thought he was, who he presented himself to be to, you know, everyone on the outside. And, um, and I, 
I don't know. I actually, um, my, one of my lawyers had said that this was one of the worst divorces that he had ever seen. Um, and you know, he, he tracked my whereabouts. He installed spyware on my phone. I mean, it was, um, it was really, it was really crazy. And all the while to my face, be like acting like we were going to have this, this really nice amicable divorce and that he was going along with everything. So. Wow. That's uh, that's crazy that that happened. How did you figure out that he likely is a covert narcissist? Cause I, I know that overt is well talked about, right? You, you see it on TV sometimes it's well recognizable. Right. Covert is quite subtle. Yeah. So, um, so, I had a I had a friend that you know I was telling about my experience during the divorce and um, and he said to me you know you should look up narcissism and so I started looking it up and you know just what um, what what someone who's in a relationship with a narcissist goes through the the gaslighting and um, you know the hoovering and all of that. Uh, it was like, oh my gosh, like the, like this person knows my life and, um, and, you know, really pretty much during the, during the entire relationship, I, um, you know, my feelings were never validated. I, I could never say something to him that, um, that he heard and recognized and accepted and said, you know what, you're right. I, I, I need to change that or we need to work on that. Um, there was a lot of, uh, like putting things under the rug and, um, kind of like hoping that I would forget about them. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it all just kind of came together you know, in that moment as I am doing this research and it's like, oh my gosh, like what have I gotten myself into? Um, and then since, you know, I, I, I moved on into another relationship that, um, that person also had some really controlling tendencies. And as I got out of that relationship, I, um, I knew that I needed to figure out why, like, why, Mm -hmm. why am I choosing these people? Because it wasn't just those two, you know, it was many of the relationships that I had, um, many of the romantic relationships that I had had. And so really just doing a deep dive into why, like, why, like, why am I predisposed to this? And, um, you know, understanding that. So part of that was the, you know, self-love and learning that, um, you know, that there are things about me that are great and amazing. And then those things alone are enough of a reason to love me. It's not about like, what I can do for someone. Cause I, I was big on that. Like I, like I could never do enough for these people that I was in relationships with. And, um, and then I wondered why, like, like, why didn't they think I was enough? You know, that's super interesting. Cause, um, maybe that's a bit, one of the big red flags of covert is that they feel entitled to your time, your energy, you can never do enough for them. It's, it's a very strong kind of 
victim mentality on their part, right? Like they feel entitled to be taken care of or to use you or abuse you um, and oh, then to disregard goodness. your boundaries. I, I've experienced that. That seems to be the, the very telling telltale signs um, that yeah. early on. I wonder if there's, if you were to look back in time, did you see any of these signs that are kind of prevalent throughout the, these relationship with the people that have a covert narcissism tendencies? Or were there other signs as well, maybe beyond this? Um, so, you know, definitely early on, uh, with my, with my ex, um, there were instances where I had, I had put a boundary out there and he had crossed it and, um, and I told him about it and he disregarded it. It was like, it didn't happen. Um, or I told him about, you know, something that made me really uncomfortable and he disregarded it. And there was even one time you know, when we were dating that we had, um, something had happened, uh, that I was really uncomfortable with. He had like, we were arguing and he had, he had blocked me in, like he was like trapping me and I couldn't leave. And it, I, I really felt uncomfortable with yeah, it. It's too really much for sure. Me. Yeah. And I broke up with him and, um, and he, I left and went to my apartment and at some point he came to my apartment and, um, and knocked on the door and I didn't answer it. And, you know, that was kind of another thing that like, I look back at now and I'm like, like, I, like this person wasn't respecting, like respecting me my body my person and then weren't even wasn't even respecting the fact that I needed that time and space and it was something that he would bring up during our marriage like as like kind of a joke that oh like remember that time you you broke up with me Mm -hmm. and um you know little did I know that like it like it was almost like there was just this like bubbling beneath the surface of anger and rage that came out during our uh, divorce. And um, he was physically violent against me. And, um, you know, again, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to acknowledge it. He certainly wasn't going to validate it. And I didn't say anything, but then later on, when I finally do say something, he, he makes fun of me about that too, that like, oh, but you waited. So it's not going to matter now. Like, yeah, I, you know, I roughed you up or, you know, I put bruises on you. No one's going to believe you. You didn't say anything. You didn't file charges. So he just had zero zero remorse, zero accountability for any of his actions. Yeah, you, what you just said reminded me of something. I I don't know if he showed any of these kind of hidden passive anger. Maybe he was passive aggressive early on. I'm curious, like, how does a person figure out early so that we don't, you know, spend years and a lot of energy and get sucked into this? Um, I think one of the advice that I I think one of the best dating advice is that early on in a relationship, I'm talking about maybe the first month or two months, the first 10 dates or so, the relationship is still somewhat fluid, 
because you're trying to figure each other out. You're trying to figure out, you know, what's your style, what's my style. But how we conduct ourselves early on is very important. Mm-hmm. If something that bothers us, we have to communicate that early. We have to set the boundaries early. Otherwise, if we allow it to happen, it tacitly becomes okay, right? Right, is, yeah. What your ex did was by far not okay, and, and he sounds like he did it later in a relationship. But what he's kind of implying is that, you know, if you didn't say no the first time, then you're okay with it. So I think it's a good reminder that the first time we feel violated, the first time we feel that something is not right, speak up. I think too often I see people afraid of speaking their mind because they're like, well, you know, what if I say something, it scares them away. Um, And then we don't say it. And then we, years down the road, we wish we did. Right. Absolutely. And, um, and so that's something that I'm working on right now is, is boundary setting. Cause I, I'm not, I'm not good at that, like at all. <laughs> and, um, so I'm, I'm dating, I'm out there dating, uh, you know, in COVID. So it's all, it's all via apps. And, um, so I'm on a couple apps and one of the things that I had decided uh, right away is that I wasn't going to get my phone number out. So, um, I was talking to this guy and, um, and we had talked for a little bit, like, you know, maybe a day and he asked for my phone number and I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't give out my phone number until I've met someone in person. And, 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 you know, that goes along with the whole meeting people in public and, you know, making sure people know where you're going and all of that. Of course. But, um, you know, right away he had, uh, he had kind of a comment about that. And so I, you know, I logged that and, you know, thought about that. What did he say to your boundary? Because you're, you're telling him you don't feel comfortable. What did he say to that? Um, you know, it was, it was just kind of like giving me a hard time about it. Um, it was not, it was not like completely accepting, which is, you know, how it should have been. Yeah. Um, it was giving me a hard time and, you know, and he would like continue to bring it up and, um, in a joking manner, like sarcastic joking, poking fun. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so we continued to talk though. And, um, and as, as we're talking, he had mentioned going out on a date. This actually just happened last week. So Mm -hmm. he mentioned going out on a date this week. And I said, sure, that, you know, that sounds good. And he, um, so we never set a date or anything. And in the meantime, I was talking to someone else because that's what you do. On of course, yeah. You talk to yeah, you're all free people. agents until you're in a committed relationship. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so I set up a date with another person that I was speaking with um, on Tuesday. So this guy comes back to me. He's like, yeah, so are we going out next week? And I said, sure, you know, how does, how does Thursday work? And he goes, well, what about Tuesday? And I said, well, I can't on Tuesday, but you know, I'm, I'm open on Thursday. And he's like, well, what do you, what do you got a hot date or something on Tuesday? So another rule that I had set for myself was that I was going to be honest, um, right from jump, uh, about everything. And, um, and so I said, yes, I have a date on Tuesday. And he flipped his lid. 
he, um, he couldn't believe that I had a date with someone else. <laughs> Since you were married to him, how could you possibly right. date somebody else? <laughs> right. Um, he wanted me to, he, he didn't like the idea of being second in the week. Um, and he wanted me to cancel the date um, on Tuesday and go out with him on Tuesday or reschedule with the person from Tuesday. And, um, and so first of all, it reinforced my decision about not giving my phone yes, number out right. because you can find so much information out about someone just from their phone number. And so I was really glad that mm -hmm. I hadn't, um, broken that boundary. Um, I did, I kept the conversation, um, I, I didn't block him. I kept the conversation open because it was actually a little bit amusing because he continued to, to go kind of crazy and he wanted to know how many people I was talking to and it just like went on and on. And, and then he had come back at one point and said, listen, like if you ever change your mind, I'm still open to going out. <laughs> wow, there's so many red flags here that it's, uh, yeah, we can't even flag enough. I think one of the biggest determinants or signs of somebody that's going to be abusive, it seems pretty certain. We obviously can't predict the future, but if I were to put money on the table and say if he's going to turn out to be right. abusive, at least emotionally, if not physically, this is the sign. It's the possessiveness. He, inability to take a no as an answer right ability to be okay with you saying that i don't want to do this or you know i'm seeing somebody else so early on especially it's it makes no sense and right what i find troubling is that sometimes people you know obviously you saw it you're very wise about it you saw this as a red flag that it is was for some people that are less experienced, they may interpret this as, well, the person really cares about me. You know, this is a sign of love. No, possess possessiveness is not a sign of love. It's a sign of control. Right, See, right. It's like your property and not a person. Right, and I think you might have posted this um, on our page or someone did about like how sometimes relationships feel like home because they feel like these experiences that we had, yes. you know, as a child. Yes. And, um, and so, you know, I think getting to the root of, of why, you know, why you would be okay with behavior like that is really important. And then, um, journaling and understanding what you're feeling you know what a situation makes you feel because that has been really key for me um just identifying like hey this doesn't make me feel great and or hey like i'm apologizing and i shouldn't have to apologize for this right um so really you know talking to yourself and you know knowing what's going on in you and then responding not yeah. just reacting i think you're absolutely right and the, the using journaling to ascertain or to actually feel the feeling is super important because if we grew up in an environment where the parents didn't validate us they tell us that something that did happen did not happen right then we're right. so used to being gaslighted that 
I realized that at least in my case, I started to gaslight myself. Like, oh yeah, you may, you mm-hmm. don't feel so comfortable with the way that he's pressuring you. Oh, I'm just being too sensitive, right? So we stop listening to the alarm. It's not the, that the alarm doesn't work. It works just fine. We just mm-hmm. silence it. We turn it off and then right. to our own detriment. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting when you said, let's look back to our childhood. Does this situation remind me of something happened in childhood? Like I immediately had a flashback, right? Where my parents would literally um, beat me up. Like every minute I'm late coming home, they give me five minutes from the time that the bus drops me in front of the house to when I get home. So they're trying to control, like limit my social life. So if I spend too much time talking to friends, I get a beating. So it's uh, one whack basically per minute late. And so when you're controlled that way, maybe you know one day when I meet a guy uh, and I've certainly met people that are similar to what you describe ultra controlling I was like well maybe right. it's not so bad maybe it's normal right when it's not right 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 so I think the, and, the tracing back to childhood is very important I think that's a lot of where our wounds come from right well and you know something that I thought was interesting was um in this guy's rants he taught he kept referencing this connection that we had and um and you know so I had to do like a check with myself like okay but we've not even talked on the phone like and you know like not listening to to what he's saying and be like oh yeah like we do have this connection and because you know I would do that because oh my gosh this guy is choosing me like this guy really likes me like you're saying like he must really care about me he's choosing me and instead saying like Chrissy like what feels right for you like do you really have a huge connection with this guy like you've been talking to him for like four days you've not even talked on the phone with him. You've only messaged with him. And you, the one, the first time you say no, he lost his mind. So, um, you know, that, that was another thing that I had, had planned to implement in, um, you know, this dating process is practicing saying no to people and seeing, you know, how they respond. Like, do they respect that? Do they, um do they get upset do they try and like talk and have a conversation about it you know because uh you know i think that their response early on can be really indicative of you know what what you might experience in the future yeah i think you're absolutely right so that's the other benefit of boundary setting is it not only tells the other party how you will and will accept certain behaviors, but it's also a chance for us to observe how they take a no. Right? Mm-hmm. People that right. can't take a no, it's, it's a huge red flag. Um, the other thing that you brought up that I thought was really interesting is when he mentioned, oh God, we have this connection. And that word almost to me is starting to have like a negative connotation or a negative implication. Because when, let's say that I meet this new guy and all of a sudden it's like this sparks just flying everywhere. It's like, oh, I feel like I've known you, that connection, I'm uh-huh. already obsessed, we're obsessed with each other. That a lot of times is a red flag. <laughs> right. The reason is that, you know, kind of just the topic earlier, if we were, had this kind of childhood abuse background, especially, or have been abused type of background, if we see somebody who treated us in a way that's familiar, it's like, wow, I met you in a previous life. And yes, in a way you have. When you were little, mm-hmm. you met somebody that treated you that way. 
and then you perceive that as love. So there's this like really strong kind of chemistry that's inexplicable. It's almost like the trauma bond is already there. And right. mistake that with love. So knowing that I have a trauma history or people that with a trauma history, I would encourage people to really pause when you feel that strong connection. A lot of times it's actually a warning. You right. don't want the familiar. Right. The familiar was not good. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking about how, um, you know, they say one of the characteristics is the mirroring. And so I've been really, I try to be really cognizant of that in that, you know, I try and ask a lot of questions and, you know, get the question out there and see what their answer is. Because, you know, if I'm doing all this talking about myself and then they're like, oh my gosh, I love that too. Then you do, you like, you start to feel this connection that isn't really there. And you find that out later on, um, you know, after, after my husband and I got married, I learned that we didn't have a, anything in common, <laughs> not one thing. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, I didn't think that going into the marriage, um, you know, I knew that we had some differences, certainly, but um, I thought that we had a lot more in common than we did. And, but it was because of him mirroring, like I wanted to have a lot of kids and he wanted to have one. Well, that, that wasn't what you said before we got married. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I think making sure that uh, uh, you ask a lot of questions and that you get their answer before you, uh, before you give them your answer so that you know, you know, what they're, what they're really, what their thoughts are. I, I love that because, um, I think a lot of times when we go into datings, we have this feeling that I'm going for an interview. I want to get the job, right? So you're, uh -huh. you're seeking to impress the other party. But I think what you're saying is as you uh, got wiser over the years, you're like, okay, I, I'm worthwhile. I love mm -hmm. myself. I'm worthwhile. I want to see if the other person might be a good fit for me. So it's not I'm trying to impress the other party. It's more of a mutual discovery of a fit. That's exactly it. Um, you know, knowing what I want out of a relationship and if that person fits the bill for me, not if I can fit into, you know, what they want from someone. And, and funny enough, um, you know, in this whole process, I've learned that like, I even do this in, in, um, in professional situations. Like I've, I've taken jobs that, I knew probably weren't a right fit for me, but I was so darn happy that they picked me. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was because I didn't think enough of myself to go for the things that I really wanted, like the bigger things, like the better job, the, you know, the, the guy that I thought like wouldn't be interested in dating me. Like, I'm going to, I'll go with someone who, who picks me because that's safer because they want me and it's not. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is also in your dynamic with your ex, 
he was doing the same thing, right? He was seeking to, to know what you like, and he was pretending to be what you like. And I think maybe, I'm just guessing, in the back of his mind, he's like, I want to, you know, secure Chrissy's affection, get her to marry me, and then maybe once we get married, I can tell her. <laughs> right. Big reveal, I only want one child. Uh, right. The same thing happened to me because I didn't want to have kids. My ex really wanted to have kids. And then he thought that after marrying me, he could talk me into it. Right. That yeah. in many ways is not fair. And then so when we go into a relationship, we really just have to take the attitude you have, which is find out who the other person is. Is it a good fit, mutual fit? And then if not, let them go versus right. wanting to make it a fit when it's not. So going in with the mentality of changing somebody. I hear too often uh, people say, oh, yeah, you know, if she or he love me enough, I figure they can change for me. No, because first of all, it's really hard to change anyone. It's hard to change ourselves. And then um, it's not fair for the other party either. If you say you love them, then you should love them for who they are, not what you want them to be. Right, right. And, and if they change, that's a bonus. But right. yeah, that has to come from them. Like you can only change yourself. And that's definitely, that's definitely what I've learned is that you know, I have to work on me and, uh, you know, the next partner that I pick, I'm going to make sure that I pick someone that wants to continually grow, but I also am going to like them in that moment and love them in that moment as who they are, just in case they don't really grow from there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And I love the kind of work that you're doing with yourself, the journaling, because I, I feel like a lot of times we say, well, you know, I want to get uh, therapy, et cetera. Those are all helpful, but that's more of a point in time thing. Whereas the work that you do, whether it's reading or journaling or meditation, that's what you do for yourself day to day. So you're learning and growing every day. And it's also you're investing in yourself and your own growth. And we could talk all day to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn how to love myself. But we just like anybody, right? If I tell you, oh, Chrissy, how much I care about you, but my actions don't line up, then you're not going to believe it. The same thing applies right. to ourselves. If we want to love ourselves, we have to show by action, by investing time and energy in ourselves to take care of ourselves. That's how we can internalize that feeling of self-love. Right. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I talk to my girls, I have two daughters, I talk to them all the time, you know, when they're being hard on themselves, like, would you talk to your best friend that way? Would you, would you say something like that to your friend? And I have to do that with myself too, because like, would I, would I be this hard on my girlfriend? Like, would I be this hard on my, my daughters? Um, I follow another group and uh, a big saying in that group is what would you do if you really loved yourself? So I have that on a post-it that, and I look at it all the time. Wow. That is such a beautiful saying. If you find it, could you share it with our group as well? I think people would just love that, that saying. Yeah. This is the yeah. first time I heard it, um, but I, it really resonated with me as well because I think as good people, we treat other people with a lot more kindness than we treat ourselves. Um, right, right. It's funny, if, if we talk to anybody the way we talk to ourselves, we have no friends left. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, so, we're so hard on ourselves and no one would ever, no one would be this hard on no. us 
except for the people that we choose <laughs> or the people that perhaps the people that people. raised us right yeah yeah we choose yeah. people that are super hard on us so right right so as we change the message that we tell ourselves internally we also raise the bar on what we will accept from other people absolutely yeah uh -huh. So thank you, Chrissy. That was such a great conversation. I, I feel like I learned so much and everything that you say just resonates so strongly with me and I, I'm sure will resonate with the rest of the group as well. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be able to do this with you. Thank you.